Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lawrence here with me. This episode is all about the Michigan football team's 31-10 victory over Washington. This is a post-game episode, and so it's really, we haven't had a chance to watch the film. We haven't, we, we've, we've looked at like the basic stats, but we haven't been able to look at the advanced stats yet, but this is really Uh, We're kind of going to address a lot of the key talking points after the game and discuss what this victory means for the Wolverines moving forward. So we can, we can really jump right in, Steve. I I think the, obviously the big takeaway from this game, really impressive run game. And, and I've mentioned on this podcast a few times, I think this team is going to be in a quote unquote boring a little bit in the sense that I do think they they have the personnel and the talent and the inclination to really just be a physical run game until somebody stops them. Well, tonight, Washington really did not stop them. Michigan ran the ball 56 times for 343 yards and four touchdowns, 6.1 yards per carry. And that's including a couple big plays, but it's also including a couple things at the end of the game where they're obviously just killing clock. and so. Um, yeah, I thought it was, I mean, it was very Wisconsin-esque. I think that the the epitome of it was that first drive in the second half. I believe it was eight plays, 73 yards, all running plays, four by Haskins, four by Corum, both of whom were over 150 yards rushing in this game. You know, it was one thing when they did it against Western Michigan, because obviously you can throw the asterisk in there. Well, it was Western Michigan. A little different against a Washington defense that, uh, one, looked good last week. No matter who they're playing, they looked good last week. I think Montana averaged 3.7 yards per carry. And two, has historically been very good defensively, both in producing NFL talent and, and producing results on the field. So, you know, to me, that's, that was the story of the game that ensured Michigan never trailed. I don't even know if they were ever uh, – they might have been – were they ever even within a touchdown after halftime? Uh, really just a, a dominant run game. Reminded me of a lot of Wisconsin games I've seen uh, throughout my life. Your thoughts on on the run game and, and just, just how impactful and how powerful it was. So I'll confess that earlier in the game, I was among those that was kind of wondering why Michigan maybe didn't throw the football a little bit more. Uh, but once it became clear that they didn't have to throw the football to succeed and to score, you know, I think that really became a, a kind of a secondary deal uh, as far as issues go and you get it out of the way. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I will swore. Uh, no, duh. That Michigan is going to have to throw the football better and more, you know, more, once the get once conference schedule kicks in, right? I mean, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that, but that doesn't mean that you don't take everything you can get 
against a quality defense like Washington's and do what you did. Uh, I don't know how you can't be impressed. Uh, so I, I almost in a way it's, it's, it's more impressive to watch a team impose their will against another team really in a one dimensional fashion. Uh, yeah, predictably so. Yeah, I mean, right. It did it. So you mentioned Washington was, knew what was coming. Right. You mentioned Wisconsin. Uh, I always felt like one of the low points for Michigan was the the year. I can't remember what year it was. I think it was Rodriguez when Wisconsin ran the ball like twenty eight straight times in the second half or something. Uh, this wasn't quite that, but it wasn't that Michigan team that year that they stunk, and Washington may stink. Like overall, we'll see how that goes for them the rest of the year. I don't think their defense sinks though. Um, so, yeah, I don't, I don't know how you can't be impressed with the way that Michigan just kind of came out and just punched a quality defense in the mouth and really controlled the game. Yeah, I think a little bit maybe that that the taunting drive. Uh, you know, there's a couple areas where maybe Washington, maybe it looked like they were building a little bit momentum, a little bit of momentum, but overall, you know, I just thought this was a, a strong performance from Michigan uh, on both sides of the ball. And, and one that they like, they had, it looks like they look like a team that at least has a foundation that they can build off of. And, and two games into the season and you're seeing teams across the country slip up, you know, Ohio State got beat today. Notre Dame has not looked good at all in either of their wins. Uh, well, you know, now their victory against Florida State doesn't look good either. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, so you get my point is is it could be a little bit. I, th- I think you got to be pretty happy with, especially given what the expectations were on a lot of people's minds for what Michigan. I think you tweeted, uh, encapsulated it perfectly. Two or three weeks ago, I think people were thinking this could have been an, an, an easy a loss on Michigan's schedule. Granted, we don't think Washington is what we thought they were going to be heading in, but sure. either way, uh, to come out and win by three touchdowns. And again, to do it the way they did it, uh, I don't know how you can't be happy about that win. Yeah, yeah, that's that's maybe like the one thing that just really doesn't – I just can't agree with it. it, it you know, you can – you can say Washington isn't good, and and that's you might be right. I mean, I my inclination is that they'll probably be in that seven and five type of zone. Uh, that's I think that's what they were before the twenty twenty season. I, I I think that they're still looking for a lot more offensively to really get back into Pac twelve contention. But several people who do this for a living had Washington as a top twenty team entering the season and even heading into this game. I mean, Steve, if you and I had said, Oh yeah, Michigan will win 31 to 10, you know, they'll, they'll win by three touchdowns. I think a lot of people would have said, no, that's not realistic. Uh, you know, that's, that's, that's a, it's a very ambitious look at Michigan. I think we both actually said 14 point victories and you know, a lot of complaints after the game and during the game about the, maybe how boring Michigan was or how vanilla it was. One, I think you bring up a good point, and this is what Jim Harbaugh said after the game. You know, that's that that was going to be their game plan until Washington made them do something else. Washington has – they legitimately have three defensive backs who I think could be first or second day NFL draft picks. And they might have a couple more. 
uh, you know, I'd have to research a little bit harder, but you know, you know, they've got three that I know for a fact I've seen in top 100, top 150 draft prospects lists and things like that. And so, uh, you know, Michigan until someone stopped them, they were going to run the ball. And so my, my thing is like, if, if it had been like a 14 to 10 or a 17 to 10 game, yeah, I think you could have the take, Oh man, Michigan really didn't look good throwing the ball. Um, you know, who knows how sustainable this will be, but if they're beating Washington 31 to 10, I mean, how does that not make you pretty sure that this team will win eight games this year? You can Ohio state, Wisconsin, Penn state. Sure. Those are, those are going to be really tough games, but everyone's seen Nebraska. Everyone's seen Northwestern. Everyone's seen, um, you know, Rutgers, Maryland. I mean, this is, if Michigan can do this against a, a pretty solid Washington defense, they're going to be able to do this a lot this season. And so um, I think if you're really trying to poke holes in a 21 point victory over Washington, you were probably going to poke holes in anything you saw tonight. It, that's, that's my thought is, is you probably just wanted to poke holes so that you could, I don't know, seem, keep your expectations low, seem ahead you know, or seem to have like a cutting edge opinion. I mean, the fact is Michigan just clobbered this team and, and the run game was a big part of it. Really thought this was a great game for Michigan's defensive line too. Uh, That, that was really my second kind of, I don't know if it was takeaway, but the the second thing that was on my mind is um, I think Michigan has something up front. I don't think, I don't think it's going to be a dominant group. But Aiden Hutchinson looks unblockable. And then I know you mentioned Mozzie Smith uh, several times to me during the game. And, and I thought Chris Jenkins had a pretty good game. You know, Jabo and Upshaw, I think this was a, a, a confidence-building game for them. I think I saw Hinton on, in on a couple plays that, that maybe in the past he wasn't in on. I really thought that, you know, that, that's a really impressive turnaround because that group was just absolutely a liability all last season, there were some injuries, but regardless, they were a liability. And Washington's offensive line, clearly not, clearly it was an overrated group uh, because they struggled a little big, bit against Montana too. But I really thought Michigan's defensive front, I mean, it, it, it started to look like a group that can, that can help Michigan this season. I don't think it'll be a strength of the team. I don't think it'll be a strength of the defense. But tonight it was, I mean, what was it? 32 carries for 50 rushing yards for Washington. And, and they started to get a little bit of a passing game late, partly because they kind of had to. Um, but a lot of those passes were hurried or rushed. I'd be curious what pro football focus determines for the number of quarterback pressures, because in addition to the four sacks felt like Michigan charted four quarterback or five quarterback hurries as well. I would suspect PFF's going to have, I don't know, 15 quarterback pressures throughout the night. It just just seemed like that that defensive line really took a step forward tonight. And, and maybe they did it last week too, but but that was, you know, there's the caveats. When the, when you do it against Washington, against offensive linemen projected to be taken in the draft. Um, I mean, goodness, Aiden Hutchinson, <laughs> he might might go top 10 after tonight's performance against Jackson Kirkland, who was supposed to be a first round caliber offensive tackle. Um, but, but Steve, I, I guess your thoughts on the defense overall, the past defense, 
the numbers don't look super pretty right now, but, but in th- one 10 points allowed is the only stat that really matters. And two, I really thought that defensive line had a, had a phenomenal game actually. Of the front seven overall. One other thing I really liked, <laughs> I want to say Josh Ross, I thought. Yeah. Really Still like a, him a lot as a pass rusher. Right. Had a He's really good, good game. Made a couple plays uh, in coverage. He had a pass breakup on Otten uh, in the fourth quarter. You know, again, probably something he's going to be continually challenged. You know, that he's going to be challenged through the air the rest of the way. But uh, as far as in the run game and, and rushing the passer, yeah, he's he's uh, definitely an asset there. Love – I got I to gotta say, I got to give Mike McDonald – the whole defensive, like a ton of credit for, and this is something we've harped on about for how long loved the rotation of young players in the game and not just in a garbage time situation. Yeah. We, Junior Colson got some just gonna, high a, leverage snaps. A ton. I mean, he was playing in the first quarter. We saw Rod Moore played a ton tonight. You mentioned Jenkins, uh, Jalen Harrell's another one. I thought who had a, a really good game had made a great play on the outside. Uh, I think in the red zone on, on in coverage on Otten uh, negated him. Uh, I can't remember. If it was the third down. It may have been the third down play before they kicked the field goal that he made, but either way uh, he looked good. Yeah. Mozzie Smith though. So I'll have to go back and watch maybe uh, play by play, but it seemed like every time I was paying attention to him, you know, he, there was one play, and I think I actually think Washington threw and completed the pass. He, I mean, he, the the offensive lineman, he ran him almost full speed, right back into the into the quarterback. I mean, it was like holy crap! Like, where did that come from? So, if you're Michigan, I, I'm assuming, you know, and we'll maybe learn and, and find out more. I assume that Michigan's going to be really happy with how Mozzie Smith played, and and as we said going into the season, his emergence was going to be pretty important for Michigan. Uh, I agree. I thought Chris Hinton had a rebound game. I did, he was a little inconsistent against Western. thought he played better today. I'm going to give him a pass on the penalty. I think, I think that's one that is called sometimes and not called other times. Look like the quarterback. Sure. Yeah. Looked like the quarterback had barely released the ball uh, when he was touched. You know, I just, whatever on that one, but, but overall, yeah. So the defensive front I thought played really well, but I also just in general loved the amount of rotation that Michigan did and it sets it up for these young guys. So it's like, you know, so we know Rod Smith gave up was the guy in coverage on the touchdown pass. Uh, I say, so what, you know, it's a true freshman second game of his entire career. These are the types of things that are going to make him a better player down the road. And, and, you know, like I said, I mean, how, how many times last year did we talk about that never happening uh, with Michigan's defensive unit? Right. So very, very refreshing to see not just not even just the young players, but just a heavy rotation period. Uh, we saw DJ Turner on the field a ton tonight, you know, just at almost every position. Uh, we saw a healthy rotation of guys uh, kind of coming in and out, but particularly up front. I mean, Welshoff played a lot. Uh, pretty much everybody up front played Jeter. Uh, Jeter had a couple good plays in the run game. So. So, yeah, encouraging performance up front, like you said. I agreed Washington's offensive line, probably not what they were made out to be heading into the season. But, again, still probably upper half, I would still think. Uh, 
you know, in a 12 game schedule, they're probably one of the six best offensive lines that they're going to play. I, w- I would think because just with the yeah size, NFL, right? size, strength, uh, recruiting talent. And then I think NFL talent. Yeah. I, I think they would be right. So, you know, with that in mind, you know, it's another area I, w- I would say you come out of this game encouraged um, with what Michigan did. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I agree. I think it was, um, it just caught my eye. You know, Mozzie Smith, I think it's like the perfect epitome of this only had one tackle, but just seemed like he, he was making plays. He was moving people around, um, really seemed like, well, I guess the opposite of what Michigan's offensive line was doing, you know, it's the same, you know, I thought, I thought Michigan really dominated the game in the trenches on both sides against, against a team with, size i i I do think their defensive line's a little bit inexperienced at least at the edge positions but man they've got size and for michigan's offensive line to just pummel them and for the michigan defensive line a a group that that really is not personnel wise not expected to be a strength for michigan this year other than aiden hutchinson you know for them to just really not not a ton of clean pockets, not a ton of, I guess, open running lanes. <laughs> and so it's, uh, I thought 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 it was really impressive trench play. Uh, Steve, I know, I know you're going to have a full recruiting podcast, so I'm not trying to start a recruiting discussion here. But I am curious, just because it, it kept people kept tweeting at me about it. I kept seeing it on the message boards. With it being such a a humongous recruiting weekend for Michigan and and you have always been on the forefront of this saying the actual wins and losses aren't necessarily make or break I mean you can spin that either way if they lose it's come come be a part of the group that fixes this Uh, but but the atmosphere is important I think the play style can be important and and I guess maybe the the vibe around the team after the game. Now we don't know enough about the last part because we're not invited to the locker rooms or, or anything like that, but, but you saw it on TV. Uh, I mean, a true maze out full, absolute maze out atmosphere. I think for the, for the pace of the game was probably about as good as you could ask for. I mean, obviously if they're, if they were scoring 25 or 28 points in the first half, it'd be a little bit more rocking, but um, you know, f- felt like a pretty, pretty good atmosphere and then style of play, you know, the trench play. I mean, I guess what, what do you expect this to do for recruiting? There's no, there's no, uh, well, there is a crystal ball, but obviously you don't know exactly what's going to happen, especially this close to the game, but pretty good game for Michigan to show to recruits. I have to think on the defensive side of the ball, this was great because this is week two of Mike McDonald's defense. And it already looks like a group that's, that's ready to be one of the better defenses in the country or at least in the big 10. But, but any, any thoughts on like the, the intangible parts of things in how this can look to recruits, you mentioned the young players rotating in. I mean, how does that all factor into it to a night like this? So recruits don't watch the game the same way the fans do. Uh, For, you know, I think one of the big questions was, well, you know, what wide receiver, is going to want to play, which Michigan hosting uh, five-star Jalen Brown, who, in my opinion, could be one of the two or three best receivers in the country. 
even though he's only a junior, uh, regardless of class. You know, I, they don't watch the game the same way that that the fans do. Um, I don't know how, like, this is probably about as best case scenario as Michigan could have asked for with the atmosphere, the outcome. You know, one big thing this weekend was that they hosted a ton of kids from Washington State. Um, right. Right. Five-star offensive line, Josh Connerly, chief among them, and a guy that I've – we've talked about Connerly for months. It's always felt like Michigan's quietly had a really good shot there. How do you not come out of that game impressed if you're him? Uh, you know, style, atmosphere, everything for an offensive lineman would look really enticing right now, I think, if, if you're a prospective – you know, guy that Michigan is after. So yeah, from the intangible standpoint, I, I don't know what more you could have asked for from if you're Michigan. Yeah. I mean, you know, throwing for 200 yards or something to add on to the 300 they ran for would, would maybe, you know, but again, like I said, I don't think recruits watch the game the same as fans do. Uh, Josh Gaddis can still tell Jalen Brown, that Nico Collins will be starting for the Houston Texans tomorrow as a rookie, uh, that Donovan Peoples-Jones will be starting for the Cleveland Browns tomorrow as a second-year player, and that, you know, then he can go down the list. If you watched Chris Godwin, you know, it's a guy that Gaddis recruited and helped develop at Penn State. You know what I mean? Like, there's more, uh, there's more to it than, oh, the game I went to didn't, <laughs> fully right. showcase the position that I'm going to play. So I'll never play here. You know, <laughs> um, you know, so it's, it's not as it's, you know, I understand maybe if people watch the game, they think crap, well, you know, I don't know why would a, you know, why would a big time receiver want to play in that type of offense if they're not getting the ball. But again, these guys all play football, you know, and they've all been playing football since they were kids. I mean, you got, there's gotta be some understanding of how the game works. You take what you get, you take what you can get within the context of a given game, you know? And so, yeah, I expect the reactions to be, obviously I expect them to be overly positive. Uh, but again, again, we, I mean, going into the weekend, to be fair, we said this was the biggest weekend that they had set up from a visitor standpoint and just the pressure to win uh, because they had so many elite recruits, you know? And, and uh, so we'll have to see. You know, even look at a kid like Damani Jackson, the five-star USC commit. USC's losing to Stanford at home as we speak, and, and the Coliseum is like a, a graveyard uh, to play in. I don't really think it's a very exciting place to play college football, at least for SC in the regular season. So to go to Michigan, go to the big house as a Michigan fan growing up and to see what they saw tonight, it's hard not to think that it's at least going to make pretty much everybody in attendance uh, think a little bit about mm -hmm. what Michigan has to offer. Yeah. Yeah. 108,000 mid 80 sunny weather um, packed house that, that, that did, I mean, the maze out does objectively look cool. Like when, when an entire stadium is pretty much on the same page color wise, I mean, that's going to make good photos, uh, but also, yeah, if you're in the stands, I mean, that's, uh, you know, that, that looks like something, you know, it's not just, and then, you know, in terms of the flashy offense, I think I, I have to think a 21-point a, a win takes some of the pressure off the offense. I mean, any, 
any receiver who knows anything about football, which is probably every receiver Michigan's hosting on campus, is going to look and say, well, they ran for 343 yards. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not hard, as you mentioned, to, to kind of showcase players that you've either developed or, or, I mean, I don't know, show last week's film. It's not, it's not, uh, you know, impossible to explain your way out of that one. See, I was, I was curious because that, that was something that, that came up a bunch. Uh, last question, and you can take it any direction you want, but, but does this game, it's, it's still probably too early for any like true change predictions, but this, does this game change your expectations for the season moving forward in, in any way, Steve? This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Possibly. I I think the biggest thing for me is, okay, so we we obviously, we expect Michigan to beat Northern Illinois next Saturday and, and, I know Rutgers whooped Temple uh, in week one, but squeaked by Syracuse today, which again, maybe not a game Rutgers wins two or three years ago to be fair, but I just, I, I still don't think we know enough about Wisconsin to really know if like, if, if what we've seen in this, because that's the, you know, that'd be the next really big, big marquee game on Michigan's schedule. I don't know if we know enough about them one way or the other uh, to, to, maybe change preseason prediction on that game. Uh, I would say the interior line play defensively makes me feel like Michigan's more capable of slowing down that running game that Wisconsin is known for, but there's the road factor, which that'll be our first taste of what this, this year's team can do on the road. And we know all, all the stats and the, the reputation of, of Michigan under Harbaugh on the road against ranked opponents or against quality opponents. So um, I'd say this though, they've, they're running the ball incredibly effectively and they're stopping the run incredibly effectively. And like, those are two of the best building blocks I think you can have uh, early in the season really. And that's something I think is regardless of who you're playing, but for Michigan, you know, I think we expected them to slow down Washington's run game. I don't think they really had, they weren't a big threat to run the football necessarily, but on the offensive side, I think, you know, that should be something that can travel, you know, uh, 
And like I said, like we said at the beginning, yes, they're going to have to show more. I think they can, and I think they will. I, I don't know. Like that's going to be kind of the million dollar question going forward was how much of the, you know, what they did actually show in the passing game. Is that really what this offense is going to look like when they do throw the ball or were they really just, you know, were they, were they able to go vanilla again, you know, because there was minimal intermediate to deep attempts even made in this game. Um, You know, so I guess long story short, probably not at this point, just because the uncertainty on the road. And like I said, I don't think we know enough about what Wisconsin really is for me to say they're going to go into Madison and still win that game. Yeah, that's that's a good point that really. I mean, it's not the next two weeks, it's really. Wisconsin, I mean, there's really three straight. Road games, Wisconsin. I guess they technically it's not three straight, but Wisconsin, Nebraska, and Michigan State. And if they if they only have one loss through the end of October, then I, I think Michigan has quote unquote turned it around compared to last season. And so uh, which is a very real possibility. So I, I to me, I don't think the result changed a ton. I think seeing this uh, talking points turn into action on the field. I mean, uh <laughs> Another report in the press box gave me a hard time today because I, they pointed out I'd been asking this team about kind of the the physical run game identity for like a month. <laughs> now they now they actually are showing it on the field, um, and so I think I think actually seeing that I think actually seeing some real defensive improvements. Hard not to say the defense is ahead of schedule compared to maybe what we expected. Washington's offense might be behind schedule. So I think there's some something to that. But but the fact is, through two games, Michigan has allowed three touchdowns. And two of them were complete garbage time, game out of reach type scores. And so um, I think there's a little bit more shown on the field than, than I expected. And that has me thinking that the floor is higher for this team. I'm still probably not changing the ceiling of the Wolverines, but I, I, I think I think all of us kind of had that. Well, what if things really fall off the rails? Could this be a five and seven, six and six type team? I I no longer think that it's, it's certainly possible, but, but I'm inclined to think that they will start four and O, which would make it really hard for them to go five and seven. <laughs> so, um, and then, and then one small thing came up in the press conference tonight and, you know, players and coaches have been asked for months about the positivity, the energy around the team. And I've, I've mentioned on this podcast, I, I really don't put a ton of stock into it, but I, I've noticed through two games, if I don't know if the energy is different for good. I mean, obviously the, the true test of culture is how it looks after a loss. I am seeing more players celebrating each other's success, players picking each other up. You know, if there's a skirmish, players are ready to go to battle with their teammates. It just, it, it does seem just a small thing. And, and I think Jim Harbaugh had a quote. He said um, after the game tonight that he just feels like he has players and coaches who just really love football. Doesn't have to talk anybody into it. They just love doing it. And, and that, that reminds me of the 2015, 2016 teams 
in that sense. I think, I think that's something that Harbaugh was able to establish culture wise those two years. And I don't think it's necessarily been missing. I think it was missing last year, but I don't think it was necessarily missing in 17, 18, 19. Uh, but, but it does seem to be a characteristic of this team that, that it's, it's a pretty unified team and it's one that really likes football. So I'm not ready to change the ceiling. I think, I think seeing more of the passing game, I think seeing this team when it gets punched in the mouth, I mean, they haven't, I guess they were kind of in a slightly tight game against Western Michigan. And today's game was tight until about halfway through the second quarter. But yeah, what happens if they're down 14, nothing or down 14 to seven kind of, I guess kind of like what Ohio state had today, you know, what happens if you get surprised and you're punched in the mouth, how does your team react and respond? So that's, to me, that's the difference between that. That's what gives them a high, what could give them a high ceiling. We haven't seen that part yet. So Steve, anything else on your mind from this game? Not particularly. I think uh, one small thing, you know, the punt return stuff was interesting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't, I don't know. I mean, Colas are too, too, the first, the first mistake was still was significant to me. Even letting the ball bounce on that first punt, I don't know if he lost the the ball in the lights or something. Um, and then the the muff, the like half muff that he got back. Uh, that's one of those little things that. Well, I, I mean, I guess that's one of those things. I think a lot of people, when it happens, react to it, but then don't think about it in the grand scheme of things. That's one of those things that can cost you a football game. Uh, yeah, instability back back there uh, at a key moment. So, you know, I'm honestly I'm interested to see if Michigan sticks with him back there. I just with all the speed, yeah, and all the talent they have at the skill positions, it's just I'm and I'm not. You know, Colas are actually someone we heard really good things about in fall camp uh, at safety. Just that his size, you know, he's not six one six two. Uh, just that his size was going to kind of prevent him from really making a dent on the depth chart, but that he was a guy that would consistently make plays defensively in practice. So I know that there's an affinity there for him, uh, but man, I mean, you're talking Henning and, and Corum even, which I don't know if you'd want to put Corum back there, uh, but Henning. That's a lot in his plate. Yeah, right, right. Returns too. So Henning, Roman Wilson, I mean, it just feels like there are other guys that they could put back there uh that could be more effective uh it just that seemed a little off to me otherwise special teams i thought for the most i think brad robbins had one iffy punt but jake moody uh that kick would have been good from 65 yards uh today i mean that was quietly one of the more impressive individual (laughs) plays of the game if we're being honest uh so that was one thing i guess that kind of I kind of looked at and said, you know, I wonder where, wonder if Michigan is going to take a look at that and, and, you know, either I'm just interested to see if he come, if he's the first guy out there next week. Yeah. I Logic would suggest against Northern Illinois, maybe you wait until you're up two touchdowns, but after that, you got to think Northern Illinois is going to punt a lot. That would be the game to try everyone out because, because we had heard that the punt return game 
while talented was, you know, catching the ball and, and fielding it was a little bit of an issue. Uh, AJ Henning even talked about it on last Monday when we asked him about it. So I get, I get the idea, especially maybe the first, you know, Western Michigan's first game, maybe a lot of jitters. Washington has potential to be a tight game. But Northern Illinois, that's that's the game where you got to. I think you have to figure out who your best punt returner is, uh, and, and best meaning highest ceiling, not most consistent. But I actually, my takeaway on special teams was that it was a, a really phenomenal game. You mentioned Brad Robbins; I mean, he averaged forty six yards a punt. They only allowed four punt return yards the whole game, so it's not only that he's getting it far downfield. He's accurate with it. He's pinning it inside the 20, and he's not allowing punt returns. Giles Jackson, I don't think we have to elaborate too much on how good of a kick returner he is. Only one kick return the whole night, 11 yards. And obviously the fake punt, that changed. I don't know if it changed the game. It felt like Michigan was the better team, but that that opened the game up. Extended a drive. I think it was literally the next play. 68-yard touchdown run for Corum. Uh, and then you mentioned Jake Moody's kick. Feels that that might be something to keep a, keep in the back back of your mind is feels like they have a very complete and and borderline elite special teams across the board this season. We'll have to see how the stats continue to develop, but just it does seem like all four phases they're able to make plays. Anyway, plenty of coverage to come over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com. Lots of stories. By, by the time you listen to this, I'll have my two-minute drill up. Obviously, I have already, already have my takeaways up. Uh, and then I'll have a story on this power run game that, that actually had a, had a little bit of, of it done before the game started because I just, I just had a feeling that this was going to be one of those types of games. But for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. See you next time. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.